16, it goes like this. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. By the way, who could pronounce all those names in the New Testament, amen? I mean, who in the world could get that right? So I, whoever this guy was, listen to what it says right here. The Lord have mercy on his house, for he oft refreshed me. Now, that word refresh there means to cool off, like when you're hot. Uh, Onesiphorus was like a glass of ice cold water on a scorching hot day. He was refreshing. He brought refreshment uh, to uh, the apostle. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 13 says this, We were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus. Now listen to this, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. Uh, that word refreshed there means to give rest. The Corinthian Christians uh, brought comfort and rest to Titus. He was refreshed just by being with him. And then in Romans chapter 15, verse 32, it says that I might come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you all be refreshed. Now, that word refresh means to refresh oneself in company. Uh, the idea here is there's a joint benefit. And Paul knew that being with these Roman Christians would refresh him and he would refresh them. There was a mutual benefit to be had. Now, we live in a world filled with agitators, aggravators, irritators, grumblers, whiners, critics, scoffers, and cynics. But the church of God should be a community of, of refreshment. So I want to talk to you tonight about how you can have a ministry of refreshment. You ought to have a lifelong goal to encourage as many people as possible. Now look, we need more refreshers. So I want to empower you to empower other people. And I want to enable you to refresh other people. So here's some very simple, down-to-earth characteristics of a refresher. Number one, if you're going to have a ministry of refreshment, you've got to have a positive attitude. Say those two words out loud. Positive attitude. Now, if you're going to be a refresher, you're going to have to look on the sunny side. Spend your life focusing on what you love instead of what you hate. Spend your life there. You know, attitude is a learned tendency to evaluate things in a certain way. And you can, you can cultivate a positive attitude. That means go out of your way to greet people. I mean, every time I come to church here, there's people back there smiling and uh, shaking your hand. And, well, yeah, well, we all ought to be doing that. So be upbeat. Let, let, um, let your mouth overflow with grace. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That word corrupt there means rotten, putrid, uh, uh, bad news. Don't let any rotten communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, I grew up in Southside, Virginia. Uh, my family had a huge garden. Did anybody else's parents freeze so much stuff that they couldn't use it, and the next summer they would throw all that away and put some more in, and they'd throw the most of that away the next year? That's the way it was in our house. I mean, we just had an abundance of stuff. We had Irish potatoes. It fell to my brother and I to harvest these potatoes in August when the vines died. We had a two-cylinder John Deere tractor. We had a horse-drawn turning plow. And the trick was to put it right in the center of the uh, row. And if you did it just right, the turning plow would, you know, furrow over the dirt, lay it open, and the potatoes would fall out right in the furrow. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to be from the country to get this. Now, we were harvesting potatoes, probably 95 degrees. And um, I noticed one potato was stuck in the uh, side of the dirt in the hill. So... It didn't fall out like magic. It was kind of in the dirt. So I reached down to grab it, about the size of a baseball. When I, when I got it in my hand, I discerned it was an unstable potato. It was liquefied. Have you ever smelled a rotten potato? What could be worse than a rotten potato? So I got this unstable uh, belly like Santa Claus jelly, you know, just, uh, just liquefied. And I used to pitch baseball in high school. So I, my brother was 10 feet away. I looked at the ball, or the potato, then I looked at him. He saw what was coming. So he turned around and he hauled off. And uh, buddy, I took that potato, man. I planted that thing dead center in his back. That skin burst and putrid, rotten. And um, after he finished throwing up his lunch, he threw a few fists in my direction. Because of that, I don't blame him a bit. But but don't let any rotten communication proceed out of your mouth. 
They say an optimist can find opportunity in every calamity. An optimist can find opportunity in every calamity, but a pessimist can find calamity in every opportunity. You know, refreshers choose to look on the sunny side. Uh, refreshing, refreshing people, they put into you instead of taking out of you. So you want to be a putter-inner instead of a taker-outer. You want to be an energy-giver and not an energy-taker. You know, you, you want people smiling when you enter the room instead of when you exit the room. Are you with me on this point right here? And if you have a positive attitude, you're giving hope, <laughs> you're putting into people, and you, you know, your spirit communicates as loudly as your words. I mean, you know, you get around people, you can tell. If you have any discernment at all, if they're putting off uh, negative vibes, you can pretty much pick up on it. Well, we want to have a positive attitude by and large. Now, uh, Manly Beasley was a Baptist evangelist who um, <coughs> became a model of faith. He got uh, 21 unrelated terminal illnesses. Most people have one terminal illness, and that pretty well does it. But he would get healed, and lo and behold, he'd come down with something else. He was sick all the time. He's the most frail person, uh, but he, he had a ministry of faith. He was in the hospital, suffering, overwhelmed with pain. Six Baptist preachers had flown in to try to cheer him up, but it wasn't working. And all of a sudden, here he is in utter misery in his bed when a homely, humble a woman walked in, uh, nothing, uh, just very, very, very modest, very, very humble, and uh, it was Corey Tim Boone. And here's what he said. He said when she walked in, he said, I don't know whether the room went to heaven or whether heaven came to the room, but when she walked in, he said Jesus walked in, he said his pain didn't subside, but his ability to cope with it did. And I'm telling you, your very presence can empower people you know, attitude's a little thing that goes a long way. And you know, you know, your thoughts can lift people or depress people. Your thoughts give birth to words, and your words are the overflow of your heart. And what you dwell on will find expression in your speech. A kind word can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. And I want to tell you something. Refreshers intentionally connect with people. They go after people. Danny visited the, uh, a, a tragic thing apparently happened here. Some young girl had an accident and got killed for crying out loud. Well, brother, that's the time to be Johnny on the spot. And, and refreshers do that on purpose. So a positive attitude is contagious. You know, Paul wanted to be with Corinthians because he, he knew he was going to get something out of it. You know, I like to go some places, not because I think anything great is going to happen, just because I like to be around the people. They're refreshing. And, and you know, we can, we, can, we can intentionally develop a positive uh, attitude. Number two, if you want to have a ministry of refreshment, listen to this. You've got to have genuine concern. Genuine concern. Philippians 2, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The word compassion means to suffer together. Passion means suffer. C-O-M means company. So we're suffering together. We're fellow saints, we're fellow sufferers, we're fellow sinners. And to be empathetic means that you can sense what others are going through because of your experience or you place yourself in their shoes. Now, well, I talked to people today. Uh, one, 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 one gentleman lost his wife. And, oh, dear brother, I'm, I mean, man, wow. You know, when something like that happens, the people of God need to rally around people like that. And I'm telling you, empathy means you can sense the other man's pain in your heart. That's what empathy means. It's compassion. Now, even animals can tell if you like them. I was in Alabama. We went to visit a dying woman. And we would pull up in Alabama in a driveway. And there we are talking to her son. Here she is, an older person. And she's dying. So we're trying to console and comfort by the way, I'm not trying to look like Michael Jackson. I got, I got arthritis in my thumb, all right? So y'all give me a pass on this right here. I'm going to take this off so it won't be distracting. But, uh, but anyhow, uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to console this man. His mother's dying. And, 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 and all of a sudden, uh, out of the woods comes this mangy, tick-ridden, flea-bitten Alabama alley cat. Now, for some reason... Animals 
are attracted to me. They, 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 if it's 10 people, they're coming to me. I'm just telling. So here that cat made a beeline out of the woods. And who did he come up to? Me. And here I am, you know, trying to, oh, brother, sorry to hear about all of this. And the cat began to just kind of just kind of rub right up against my trouser leg. You know how they do. Just transferring fleas by the dozens on every, every, every rub. Well, I'm sitting there talking to this guy, trying to help him, and, and the cat's rubbing up against me as I'm going like, you know, trying to kick the cat away. It was a special needs cat. On top of being flea-bitten and tick-ridden, it was, a special, it was a stupid cat. I had to kick it six times before it got the message that I didn't have nothing to do with it. But here's the point. If animals can tell if you like them, people can too. I'm telling you, they can. And if we wouldn't judge people, we could love people, we could help them. And, and the, your, the greatest gift you can give is your time and concern. I'll tell you what I've learned about compassionate people. They're not in a hurry. You ever go to a restaurant and the waitress intentionally never slows down? It comes by your table running. Need anything? And they just take right off. Yeah, you ever go to uh, uh, Lowe's? In the old days, we had a joke about our Lowe's up home. If you ever made eye contact with an associate, they would turn around and hit the other way because they didn't want to help you. I'm just telling you, they didn't want to help you. And, and you know what? Compassionate people, they want to help you. So take a real interest in helping people. Uh, don't rush out of church all the time and speak to people. Invite people into your home. Uh, seek people <laughs> who come to, come to your home uh, to come to your home and, and have a meal. Remember when we used to do that? Uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Somebody said, when you were born, everybody was smiling, but you were crying. The day on your birth, everybody was smiling, but you were crying. He went on to say, live your life so on the day that you die, everybody's crying, but you're smiling. And I like that. And if you have genuine concern and a positive attitude, you're going to encourage people. Number three, be a good listener. Oh, be a good listener. You know, you don't have to be smart to be a good listener. But people will appreciate it if you just listen. Some people just need to say some stuff. They got nobody to talk to. Now look, there's no greater loan than a sympathetic ear, and si uh, silence is often more beneficial than advice. How do people feel when they spend time with us? <laughs> Are they smiling when you leave the room? <laughs> Are they smiling when you enter the room? That's back to that. Now Job's friends uh, helped him as long as they kept their mouth shut. But the moment they opened their mouth, they lost their ministry to their friend. And I want to tell you something. Give yourself completely to the people you're talking to. And by the way, when people are grieving, uh, they don't need advice. They need companionship. They need companionship. So let people talk it out. Don't interrupt them. If they stutter, don't get impatient and try to predict what they're trying to say. Just sit there. Make eye contact. Listen to them. And if you'll sit there and listen and let them talk it out without making commentary and begging clarification on every little point, after they've talked it out, they will be so refreshed and they'll give you credit for having such tremendous wisdom and all you did was keep your trap shut. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've had people say that to me. I say nothing to them. I just sit there, listen to them, and look at them. And after it's all over... And then they say stuff like, you are so refreshing. I didn't do nothing but just sit there and listen to them. And if you want to have a ministry of refreshment, uh, be a good listener. Don't be a, a busybody. Don't, 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 you don't refresh people by down-talking people. One of the Puritans said, he that speaks a slander carries the devil in his tongue, and he that receives a slander carries the devil in his ear. Anybody can find the dirt on others. You be the one that looks for the gold, okay? If there's a bright spot, go for it and, and be a good listener. Number four, to have a ministry of refreshment. This is all doable. Honest communication. Say that out loud. Honest communication. You know, people in America are afraid to say anything because somebody's going to be offended no matter what you say. So you know what I found? Candid communication. Honest communication is refreshing. You don't even have to agree with them. But <laughs> if they've got the guts to tell you what they think, it, it can be refreshing. A word spoken in season, how good it is. You know, a compliment is verbal sunshine. Just compliment people. 
Now, we've taken up a little practice uh, when we go out to restaurants. Uh, when we get a lousy waiter, we try to not say anything, but if we ever get a good one, we brag to the manager and tell, hey, that person deserves a raise. You've got something going on over here. So, so, so honest communication. Somebody said, a pat on the back, though only a few vertebrae removed from a kick in the pants, is miles ahead in results. What's in the well is going to come up in the bucket. And the stuff that comes out of our mouth is the stuff that's been uh, percolating in our hearts. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Honest communication. Just, by the way, you can say what you think without being hostile, right? You, I mean, you know, you just, just, it's okay. Just, what do you think, brother? <laughs> and just be honest. Non-wavering, direct communication. Don't speak in code. You know, most churches you go into, you're supposed to throw out a few code words to let them know that, that you're on the same page with them. Have you ever noticed that? So we got the pulpit politickers uh, trying to shine up to people by throwing out some uh, uh, statement to let them know. <laughs> Don't speak in code. Just say what you mean. Mean what you say. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. And by the way, sometimes, 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 um, you, you can really help people by just being honest. Now, I, got a, a, I know of a case where this man was um, a preacher and he got in a bad habit. Um, he didn't know it and it wasn't intentional, but he got in a bad habit of um, taking God's name in vain. How, how many of you know that ch churches are full of people that take God's name in vain? Not by using the curse word version, but by misusing God's name. By the way, OMG has no place in a child of God's vocabulary. My G-O-D has no place in a Christian's vocabulary. Don't use God's name as an expression of surprise. So this fellow got into a bad habit. When he would get excited, instead of using a curse word, he would, um, he would use God's name. And he would go like this, bless G-O-D. And it wasn't like, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. It wasn't like that. It was using the name of God as an expression of surprise. You ever heard that? Well, bless G-O-D and all that kind of talk. That's taking God's name in vain. That's using God's name in a frivolous, useless, empty, meaningless. We should never take God's name in an empty, frivolous way. So, so this guy, he wasn't aware of it, and his friend went up and, and told him, said, uh, hey, brother, and look, I, I know you're not trying to do this, but this is what you're doing. And he was very receptive, thankful. Deacon came in the room, and he said to the deacon, he said, well, this man right here just rebuked me. And he said, <laughs> he said I want to thank God for it because he was unaware that he was using God's name in an inappropriate way. And you know what? He was refreshed and helped and corrected and I ain't talking about reading the riot act to everybody on every point. I'm just saying sometimes we need to use some honest, direct communication. Is anybody with me on this right here? Now, now think about the people you enjoy being with. Aren't they the ones that make you laugh? Aren't they the ones that uh, laugh with you? Not everything's drop dead serious. And I got friends we can just shoot straight from the shoulder, heart to heart, no holes barred. And, and, and most people don't have that. I found this out, but I think this is very refreshing. Now, happiness is one commodity that is not diminished when it's shared. So learn to be a Monday morning encourager. Send your pastor an email detailing how you benefited from the message. Tell the singers, y'all did a great job. I, I, that, that was tremendous. I said, right, text your Sunday school teacher. Uh, if there's any praise, give it now. My friend Tom Farrell, he, uh, he graduated early. He got a jump on the rapture. He got a brain tumor, and he died. So you know what we did? We did a living memorial. And that means that we had the funeral before he, before he kicked the bucket. And here he was sitting on the second row. And about six of us got up and got to talk, got to say things and, 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 and bring out things and point out good things. And you know what I thought? Man, this is the way to have the funeral. And brag on them while they can still hear it. Give them the roses while they can still smell them. I mean, if you got something to say, uh, just, be, you know, just be honest. And this man was a tremendous blessing to so many people. And, and you know what? Honest communication is refreshing to people. 
All right, number five, you want to have a ministry of refreshment? You've got to have an obvious faith. Obvious faith. By the way, pray prayers of faith, not prayers of doubt. When you run into sick people, uh, don't interrogate them. And, and, and if they're in crisis or if they're uh, ill, don't speculate about their chances of survival. Uh, don't quote statistics on uh, percentages. I got diagnosed one time with diverticulosis. And uh, a friend of mine sent me a text in, or email. He said, yeah, Brother Harold, he said, my cousin came down with that, and they didn't last two years. Now, how many of you know that that's stupid? Shake your like this if you think that was stupid. People who are sick don't need to hear about somebody who had the same thing and kicked up and croaked from it. I mean, I mean get real here. I, I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, pray prayers of faith instead of prayers of doubt. I get so weary, you know. <laughs> Conservative Christians, of which we are, are so hesitant to really ever believe God for anything. And, and look, I know not everybody gets healed. I, I know that, but some do. So why not just go ahead and ask God to heal him, and, and if he doesn't, it ain't our problem. I called up my friend Ralph Satira, um, and uh, I said, hey, Ralph, how are you supposed to pray for sick people, man? I said, you know, you get around some of these, these, these uh, happy, happy, lively, pew-walking, tongue-talking kind of people. I, I, mean, I mean, they can believe God for anything. And then you get around the people that say they believe the Bible from cover to cover and believe what's on the cover and all of that can hardly believe God for a single thing. And so, so I said to Ralph, I said, Ralph, how are you supposed to pray for sick people? You got this extreme over here, you know, they're pronouncing everybody healed and this bunch over here that's afraid to even ask God for anything. I said, how are you supposed to pray for sick people? He said, Harold, when you pray for sick people, he said, um, you always pray in faith believing. You always pray in faith believing. And that way, if God chooses not to heal, at least it wasn't your unbelief that missed the miracle. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can live with that right there. So, so have an obvious faith. Encourage people. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and uh, pitchers of silver. It's refreshing. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He gave him a mental photograph of his future when he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What was he doing? He was instilling vision and faith in him. What did, what did God say to Abraham? Your descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashore and like the stars in the sky. What was he doing? Giving a mental photograph. Uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, let's try to encourage some people. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? If somebody's good at something, brag on them. We got a guy that works at a TV station. He's 22. He's very proficient. He goes to conferences and <laughs> Christian gatherings and you know what he said he said that hardly they they never even speak to him nobody ever does him as a single thing so we go out of way and try to try to be a blessing to him but you know what we we can encourage people by giving and, and telling hey you're good at this you ought to do more of this and, and 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 we can we can help people by speaking words of faith into their life a word spoken in season how good it is so i was in northeast pennsylvania and the pastor said harold he said, the fundamental churches in our area are not the life-giving churches. The fundamental church, the conservative churches, he said, are not the life-giving church. He just came up with that out of the clear blue. Can I say something to you? Uh, our churches ought to be life-giving churches. Our, our, our very presence ought to be life-giving instead of life-taking. We can breathe life into people. You know, as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so as a faithful messenger to them that send him, he refreshes the soul of his masters. A faithful messenger, somebody full of faith, can refresh people. Have an obvious faith. Number six, to have a ministry of refreshment, be a generous giver. A generous giver. Charles Dickens said, no one is useless who lightens the burdens of another. Somebody said that more people fail for a lack of encouragement than for any other reason. So therefore, be a generous giver. Purpose to be a need meter. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 talked about these people, these Christians. They had a great trial of affliction, yet they had abundance of joy. Remember this? And it says that out of their deep poverty, they abounded to the riches of their liberality. 
Here they were. They had less, but they gave more. Here they were in a terrible trial, and yet uh, they had uh, uh, underlying joy. And, the, and Paul said this, that they didn't do as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So the Corinthian people, uh, they first gave themselves, and then they gave their resources. So refreshers are investors. They give their time. They give their emotional energy. They give their resources. But they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then they gave their resources. So what we're talking about here is sowing into people's lives. Here, here's what we're talking about. Sowing into people's lives. You come to a prayer advance, you're going to get a bottle of water coming in the door. You leave the prayer advance, you're going to have a bottle of water going out the door if you'll pick it up. Because the Bible says that whoever gives a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, that the heaven takes note of even a cup of cold water. <clears throat> so for seven cents a piece at Sam's Club, I can get 2,000 rewards by giving two bottles of water. That's a pretty good investment, don't you think? And I'm serious about that. I'm not kidding. I mean, just you don't have to do something huge. Just do something. Sow into people. Sow into people. Help people. If, if, if you're hurting, start sowing. Start helping somebody. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he ministered comfort to a thief when he was dying himself. I mean, he was ministering in that terrible position. So, so just, just help people when they're sick, when they're out of work, when a tragedy strikes. Man, listen to the voice of God in this matter of giving. I was in Decatur, Illinois, uh, right behind the church, uh, elderly man driving a pickup. The sun got in his eyes, and he accidentally ran over two families, two moms and five children. Uh, he wasn't drunk. He just didn't see them, and he ran over them. Uh, both families were hospitalized, and one of uh, the, the two-year-old uh, child, two-year-old boy, was killed. So the pastor said, uh, Harold, I'm going to go down here and try to minister to this man who just lost his son. And the tragedy, would you like to go? I said, I sure would. So we loaded up, went back down there, knocked on the door. Here this guy, I'd say around 32, uh, comes stumbling to the door, and uh, his son has been killed. His wife and children are in the hospital. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, I'm pastor so-and-so. We're from the Baptist church up here on the corner. We heard what happened to your family. We just want to let you know we're praying for you and your family. We are so sorry to hear this. And he really meant it, you could tell. And he said, here's a little gift. We'd just like to, like to share this with you. would like to be a blessing to you. Boy, I was proud to be a Christian. You know, I thought, man, this is the way it ought to be. And you know what? That, that, that guy... He said, go back and tell the church to please pray for the man that was driving the truck. He said, I'm sure he feels terrible. And he said, I've not been able to get over there yet, but y'all just pray for him that God would help him. I thought, wow, isn't that something? And you know what? When tragedy strikes, the people of God can be the very first ones, Johnny on the spot, to help them out. I know pastors who have the gift of mercy who have built their churches just by going to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, and they're ministering to people at the worst time in their lives. And, and I'm telling you, you can just, you can be a generous giver. I was in uh, uh, Belleville, West Virginia, a little old uh, lady, her name was Granny Carpenter. She was a Church of God background. How many know everybody in West Virginia it belongs to the Church of God at one time or another? How many know that? And she was, that's her background. And she was a simple uh, 89-year-old lady. She lived in the worst Worst circumstance. Her husband was 91 years old, an invalid, invalid and a drunk. And yet she was like the happiest person in the whole church, you know. And every time she'd come to service, she'd bring me a gift. Every time. One night she brought me one of the, a little lantern, like made in China, one piece, like you get at the carnival out of the little, uh, you know, little uh, thing where, you know, you, you win stuff. Just a little cheap trinket. But, buddy, it meant something to me. One night she brought me a comb. A comb. I don't remember having any teeth left on it or not, but she brought me this comb. And every night she'd come and she'd bring me something. But you know what? All that stuff meant something to me. Because I had a lot of people do a lot of nice stuff for me and giving me some really nice stuff. I'm just telling you. But I think what she gave meant more than all the rest of it because she didn't have nothing to give anyhow. But yet, she was a generous giver. My wife and I are in the restaurant. And 
this uh, 70-some-year-old woman, I'm speculating here, um, well, came hobbling out, hobbling out. So we said to her, said, uh, well, what's the biggest tip you've ever gotten? And she said, $20, but not in this dump, not here. I didn't get it here. I said to my wife, if we got $20 and 10 cents, we're going to give her the biggest tip she's ever gotten in her life. And you know what? <laughs> you know what? Just stuff like that. I heard about a preacher one time. Service was awful. Waitress was rude. Food was inedible. He just left it, left a huge tip, and walked out. And here the waitress comes running after him and said to him, she was weeping. She said, why did you do this? I was rude to you, and <laughs> I know the food won't know account. Uh, why, why did you? And he said, well, I just figured you were having a terrible day, and I just want to be a blessing to you. Hey, be a blessing to people. Be a generous giver. Listen to the voice of God. This is Christmas. And if there's some grandma that's taking care of a grandchild because the, her, her children have gone off the rails, we go over there, we can slip them something anonymously, can't we? we? I mean, we can be a blessing to somebody, can't we? I'm serious. You know, when you're in the restaurant and you see somebody sitting over there, look like they're having not too good a season, you know, look like they're having a rough go, uh, you can just call the waitress over and say, hey, look, you see this person over here? We would like to buy their meal anonymously. I was in a restaurant one time, this little old black woman sitting over there, and I'm thinking, man, so many people have shown me favor. I wonder if anybody's ever shown her any favor. By George, we're going to show her a little favor. Hey, 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 just, we want to take care of this lady's meal right here, and, 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 and we want you to tell her a friend bought her her meal. I was in a place one time, this homeless-looking guy sitting over there, just, hey, 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 we want to take care of this guy's meal. You know what the waitress said? Somebody else has already done it. <laughs> I thought, well, praise God. I just did. But you know, you can do stuff like that. And if you're going to buy somebody else's meal, give the waitress a good tip. Say amen on that point right there. Get over your Baptist tipping, man. Get into some Pentecostal tipping. You know what I'm talking about here. I, I'm, I'm talking about just be generous. Be liberal. <laughs> you know, but be a generous giver. You can, you can really bless somebody. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Be a generous giver. Hey, we can do this. Number seven, be spirit-filled. And pray for other people and pray with other people. Now, if you're going to refresh others, it'd be better if you was refresh your own self. Amen? <laughs> and going from the overflow. But uh, in order to impart life, we have to have life. And, and that's why we need to keep our repentance current. And sometimes we've got to pray that prayer. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Duncan Campbell said, the greatest thing about a man is his unconscious influence. The greatest thing about a person is their unconscious influence. In other words, you can do more good unintentionally when you're filled with the Spirit of God than you can do on purpose when you're not. So, so, so just live in the overflow, pray with people, pray for people, Paul talked about striving together in prayer. You know what intercession is? Intercession is praying for others as if they were you. All right, so here you are. When it comes your turn to go to the hospital, okay? <laughs> and and uh, boy, if you, ever get a, if you ever get a feeling sorry for yourself, go to the oncology ward and just plant yourself right there and look at these poor people coming in here. I'm telling you, whew brother. We were down at um, somewhere. Oh, Cancer Treatment Center of America. Here was this black guy. He was as pale as pale could be. Had on his little badge so we knew what he was there for because this is the hotel where all the people went. And uh, I said to this guy, I said, uh, hey man, are you here for cancer? Well, I already knew the answer, but yeah, yeah. Well, well, well what's going on? So he told us. So I said to him, I said, hey, how about if we pray for you and your wife? Would you like that? Yes. You know, I've never been turned down to pray for a cancer person. I've I, I prayed with hundreds of them. Hundreds. And never been turned. He said, yeah, that'd be great. So my wife, his wife, him and me, here we are huddled up, you know, in front of the uh, 
blocking the entry, uh, having a prayer meeting. But you know what? Stuff like that means something to people. It just means something to people. And you know what? Pray with people. Pray for people. Pray prayers of faith. You know, ask God to bless them. Ask God for mercy, you know. And, and I'm telling you, you can encourage people like that. Pray one for another. Now, you can help people even when you can't find help yourself. Jesus, dying on the cross, yet ministering to a thief. So you can help people even when you can't find any help. How many know that sometimes you just can't find help, but you can just go ahead and try to encourage somebody anyhow on purpose, regardless of your emotions? Yes, sir. Now, people are looking for somebody to help them overcome their fears. They're looking for somebody to believe in them, to care for them. And the churches that care for one another and serve one another are communities of encouragement. Now, y'all know Roger Baker, right? So I'm going to give you an illustration. Uh, Roger Baker, merciful, nice kind of guy, warm guy. Uh, I preached a series of meetings at his church years ago. He had 400 Sunday morning. Uh, he had about 400 Sunday night. And amazingly, he had like 400 on Wednesday night. It was a highly committed place. But he got a burden uh, to try to start a care ministry, C-A-R-E, care ministry. Pray for one another, exhort one another, forbear one another, bear one another's burdens, confess your faults one to another, uh, forgive one another. And, and, he, and he had a burden to, to just practice one another Christianity in his congregation. So he got a guy who was good at this, and he, uh, he recruited 50 people in the church, and it was the care ministry, and they were trained. When people would come in on Sunday morning, if it looks like they were under the cloud, uh, if it was a woman, a woman would walk up beside of them and say, hey, sister, uh, how, how can I pray with you? And they'd share their heart and then pray with them right on the spot. Then they started inviting all the visitors out to lunch. And then they started inviting other church members into their homes, okay? And all they were doing was one another commands, one another Christianity. That's all they were doing. Would you believe in 12 months, uh, the only thing they did different was have the care ministry. That church went from 400 to 800 uh, in 12 months, and all they did was practice New Testament Christianity. How about that? And, and I, I want to say this. Uh, people today are lonely and alienated and cut off. And buddy, you can't minister to everybody, but you can minister to somebody. And if all of us ministered to somebody, a lot of bodies would get ministered to. And I want to tell you something, it means something to people. And the church of God ought to be a warm, warm, warm place, of a community of encouragement. And I was astounded that uh, people are so hungry for a personal touch and some engagement that uh, his church happened to double in 12 months. So prepare a mental list every morning. And every morning when you get up, pray this prayer right here. Lord, who, would you, who should I encourage today? Uh-huh. Uh, Lord, how should I encourage? A text, prayer, gift, visit, call, card. What would you have me do? And you know, if you do that every day, you don't have to make, wait 10 seconds, but what you'll get to a couple of people on your mind that you need to do something. Then, Lord, how should I encourage you? And then listen to what God says and go do it. And, I, and I'm telling you, if you did that in one year, that'd be nearly 800 people that you could have a positive ministry of refreshment to just by doing something as simple as that. Now, um, Paul refreshed, or Philemon refreshed the saints, and show, so should we. We've been shown mercy to show mercy. We've been graced to grace others. We've been given to give. We've been lifted to lift. We've been given peace to spread. And we've been shown uh, uh, grace to give grace to others. So purpose to inspire other people. Just purpose to inspire them. I mean, try to help them. We know this kid. His uh, father has nothing to do with him. Nothing. His mother just told him she was in no condition to have a relationship with him, totally rejected by his parents, uh, living with his grandmother, who is sick and poor. You know what? You know what? Instead of being mad about everything all the time, 
People like Harold Vaughn would be better off if he'd get on the phone and try to minister to a kid like that and try to take him fishing, try to teach him how to work. He don't know how to do anything. And, and, and by, these kids are parentless. Y'all understand that, don't you? Most of them are parentless. Parents got nothing to do with them. So why don't we adopt some of them, amen? The solitary he places in families. And what I'm telling you is there's opportunities every which way you want to look <laughs> to try to be a help and a blessing to other people. So intentionally encourage people Look to, for reasons to praise them. Motivate them to meaningless goals. And by the way, you can, you, can, you can refresh people by witnessing to them. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 65 years old, and I, I can name on one hand the people that ever tried to witness to me in my entire life. <laughs> I guess I look intimidating or something, but, but I, I, I name on one hand. I just, isn't that a tragedy? But you know what? We can encourage people if we will. Now, I want to tell you a story. Uh, we're up in Kirtland, Ohio, and um, one night we're having service, and they roll this woman in off out of the ambulance, and she's down here in a hospital bed with medical equipment, pipes and hoses, and man, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention until I got up to preach, and when I got up to preach, I looked over, and there was this woman uh, with a trach coming out of the side of her throat, breathing machine, she looked like an angel. Danny, she looked like an angel. Radiant. You know, if you ever have to speak to people, you know, sometimes it's hard to find anybody that's got an expression of victory, you know? But, but she was radiant, looked like an angel, captivating. It was so, such a stark contrast. So I looked at her the whole night. And then after I finished preaching, I went over and I said, uh, <coughs> introduced myself, found her, her name was Ida. I said, Ida, what, what, um, what's up? What, what are you doing here? And she says, uh, 49 years prior, she came down with polio, uh, paralyzed for 49 years. Husband took care of her until he died two years prior. Children didn't want nothing to do with her, so they stuck her in a nursing home. So she told me her story, you know, talking through that. I said, Ida. I said, Ida. You seem to have such a good attitude, but you have such terrible circumstances. I said, how do you have such a good attitude? Because I'm always puzzled by these people. She said, well, Harold, I try not to look at my circumstances. I try to look to Jesus. I said, wow. So I told my wife, my wife homeschooled our children. I was the principal. That means I can take a field trip anytime I want to. So I loaded them up, and here we're going. I wanted to see Ida again, and I wanted them to meet Ida because I thought, Wow. She's got such a good attitude. And uh, so we went over. That took him 30 minutes to get her presentable. We go in. Here she is laying up in that bed, tube coming out of her throat. And she was consistent, wasn't she? She's always the same. So I said to her caregiver, I said, how can we encourage Ida? She said, well, it don't take much. A phone call, text, flower, card, prayer. Don't take much. Okay, all right, we can do that. So every now and then I feel impressed to send her a flower or to send her a balloon or, or do something, just something, you know. So Ida, I really, I, she became my hero. I'll just be honest with you. She was like, man, I, here I am moaning about nothing and here she is uh, rejoicing in the midst of, I like people like that. Don't you like people like that? So, so, so we just made it a practice to try to do something to minister to Ida. But you know what? She was the type that it would bounce back on you. You could never get up on her because whatever you did, she's doing more just by being herself. I'm just telling her very, her attitude, her, 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 her presence was, was so encouraging and so, wow, amazing. And she never complained. I mean, she couldn't even walk, you know, couldn't do, couldn't do anything. So, you know what? Just, uh. You can have a ministry of encouragement, a ministry of refreshment to other people. Now, think out loud with me. How many of y'all know somebody that you would consider to be a refresher? Somebody that when you get around them, you're always benefited. How many of y'all know somebody that just the very thought of them and, the, and, and just being with them is always going to have a positive impact upon you. How many, how many of you know somebody like that? They're refreshers. Now look, if you will purpose in your heart to do for other people what they do for you, you'll have the same effect on other people. 
And I'm telling you, that's what we want. At the end of the day, we want a track record of people that we have encouraged and we have one another to, right? Exhort one another, bear one another's burdens, uh, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, praying for one another, all of the one another commands. I'm just telling you, if you'll do that, you can have a, a tremendous ministry of refreshment uh, to other people. The Bible says the time of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. I think I told you this morning, I met two people in the last 10 days that have pancreatic cancer. Two. Wow. Man. Ouch. And then problems coming all over the place. So let me ask you this. How many of y'all know somebody that is going through a difficult season of whatever, grief, job loss, health loss, tragedy, sickness, diagnosis. How many of y'all know somebody right now that could really use a ministry of encouragement? How many know somebody like that? You know somebody like that? How many would commit, by the grace of God, before 6 o'clock tomorrow night, you'll do something to try to refresh those people that's already on your mind? How many would make a commitment? I, I'm, I'm going to do something. I, I, just put, put your hands up right there. Yeah. Hey, let's go for this. Let's, let's do this. And every day when you get up, Lord, who should I encourage today? Mm -hmm, okay. Uh, what should I do? And, 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 and listen to God's voice. So into people, so into people, so into people, so into people, so into people. And by the way, if you're depressed, sow some encouragement into somebody more depressed than you. I'm serious. If you're sick, Find somebody sicker than you and, 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 be a, and, and be a blessing to them. If you're broke, find somebody broker than you <laughs> and, and give them a, a comb with no teeth. Just do something like old granny, man. I'm telling you, she was, she, was, she was a firecracker, man. I really liked her. She was really something. But you know what I'm saying? Nobody, whatever, you, whatever you're having problems with, just find somebody having the same kind of situation and be a blessing to them. How many of you know that... Uh, you can comfort others with the comfort that you've received yourself. That's why the broken become experts in mending. The broken become experts in mending. And the people who are qualified to help other people are people who's, who's been through the same thing that the other people are going through. You can help people. Your experiences are a, a treasure trove that, that can help other people who's facing the same kind of thing. And you know what? So however many people we got here tonight, uh, we're all going to do something to encourage somebody by tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. But if every day all of us would pray that prayer and just invest a little something uh, twice a day, I'm just, it's going to have a tremendous uh, effect and a tremendous impact. And, and let me tell you about younger people, younger couples. Uh, most of them don't have any relationships with their own families. Most of them don't have their parents. Their parents didn't parent them. And, and not all, but, but, but a lot of that goes on. They're looking for community. They're looking for belonging. They're looking for some people that will take an interest in them. And you know what? We can take an interest in somebody, can't we? By the grace of God. And we can take an interest and we can encourage people and have a ministry of refreshment. So that's my challenge to you tonight, to, to have a ministry of refreshment to other people. So let's stand to our feet. I want you to talk to the Lord about the people that's on your mind right now that God's put on your heart that you're going you're gonna to have a ministry of refreshment to them before tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. I want you to stand up to your feet. I want you to just pray about it. Pray about that right now and ask God to use you to be an encourager, to be a refresher and then pray in particular right now for the people that's on your mind. Just right now, just pray for them. God help them. God bless them. Lord, what should I do? Now get yourself a strategy and 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 just and just just uh invest in others, sow into others, help others. Let's ask the Lord to make us mindful of opportunities.
that our eyes would be wide open to where we would recognize these opportunities to have a ministry of refreshment and hop right on it. And by the way, you're going to be happier and more at peace when you're ministering to others than you are when you're nursing your own hurts. And I just that's just the way it is. So God can use you. And you might be hurting right now. You might not can find any help for yourself, but you can help other people. And when you help other people, I'm telling you, it's going to help you. Lord, thank you for these brothers and sisters here tonight. God, thank you for the opportunity we've got to have a ministry of refreshment to others. Father, thank you for every person that's going to be encouraged as a result of your people here tonight. Thank you for giving us marching orders. Thank you for giving us ideas. Thank you for giving us people, Lord, that we can reach out to. We can phone them. We can text them. We can call them. We can gift them. We can pray for them. We can pray with them. We can visit them. We can do something. And Father, thank you for that. I just thank you, God, for the ministry of encouragement, the ministry of refreshment. And Lord, we just want to let you know that we want to be an encouragement to others. Father, I pray that uh, Pastor Joe, when he gets back in town, would be overwhelmed with uh, encouragement. God help him. Bless him. And Father, I pray for this church that God, you would just uh, uh, just bring a spirit of uh, spirit of faith and a spirit of wholeness and a spirit of life, God, into our hearts and our homes. And Father, let let Victory Way. Father, be a, a tremendous community of encouragement in the days to come. Now, I want you to just pray right now. You already prayed for the other people. Maybe you need to pray for yourself that um, the Lord would uh, empower you, enable you, refresh you, restore joy. Just pray about that. And then ask the Lord to make you mindful every day, every day to reach out and seek to encourage and refresh one or two people every day. Let's just pray about that, and then somebody will come and close our service in a moment. Thank you for uh, the challenge that you've uh, presented to us tonight through Brother Harold. Lord, just thank you for the opportunity to be uh, a refresher and have that ministry of refresher. Lord, I pray that uh, we, would, we would take that and, and be serious about it and pray for those and seek those opportunities that you'll give us. And at those times, I pray, Lord, that we would, uh, we would just act on what we already know to do in our spirit, Lord. I pray that I uh, pray for Brother Vaughn and his wife and pray that you just bless their ministry. Just thank you for uh, having uh, what they've done and, and how you've used them for us today, God. Just pray for Pastor Joe and Tammy this week. And uh, most of all, Lord, I pray that we would just uh, refresh, restore ourselves so we can be an encouragement to others. Uh, help us this week. Uh, pray that we would be a, a light for you and, and we would do everything for your honor, your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed. Thank you, Brother Vaughn.